You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast, the Rest in Peace AAF edition. We'll be talking that a little bit later with our special guest, Scott Adamson. But for right now, I'm Oz Davis. I'll be co-hosting the show. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going? Uh, baseball is back. It snows on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everywhere from, what, Minnesota to Denver, I think. Has baseball and snow right now? Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting pummeled by this by this storm? Just a, just a quick, just a, like, we're at the very edge of rain and snow, and we caught, okay. I don't know, an inch, but that's okay. an inch too much yeah. right now. It's well, yeah, April 10th, for God's sake. that's right, April 10th. Yeah, but see, this is the time of year when people in the north always have this attitude. Damn it, it's April. What the hell? But you always have snow in April, don't you? I'm from New England. I know this. <laughs> okay, well, with the snow on the ground, that obviously reminds you of football, despite the fact that it is baseball season. Uh, we actually have some happenings in the CFL uh, recently and over this past month when we have not released a new episode of the Rouge, Right and Blue. First and foremost was today, uh, and that would be be april the 10th this podcast should be released on april the 11th that's thursday today of course was released uh the announcement that the cfl board of governors had approved all rule changes proposed by the rules committee now this was 14 new rules um my summation looks something like this there's four rules basically expanding the powers of the command center uh and within these rules are rules mostly protecting the quarterback and basically toughening, roughing the passer rules. There's also some roughing the punter slash kicker rules in there as well. Uh, among the other 14 rules, let's see, there's a rule that protects long snappers, so good on them. Got to appreciate the long snappers. Uh, there's a new 10-yard penalty on what the league is calling, I guess, officially diving, but what Americans usually call flopping, which... I think nobody disagrees with that rule change. And interestingly enough, this was the one that I thought was really interesting, is that, quote, a kicked or thrown football will remain a live ball instead of becoming a dead ball when it touches a goalpost ribbon. I can't wait to see the first coach's challenge on this one. I can't wait. Rod Black and uh, it looks as though that football touched the ribbon, or did it? <laughs> you know? I mean, has this happened? Did I miss this? Did this ever happen? Was it was a, was a play outcome changed because a kick or a pass hit the ribbon? I, I want to say it either did or came very close, with the ribbon being inside the goalpost. I guess. It, yeah. I, I can't pull up <laughs> when, though. I feel like I, I feel like it's something that may have happened at one point that everybody's like, that's the rule. Yeah. So that there has to be a reason why they're wiping out that rule because the idea is the goalpost simply, if you touch it, it's a dead ball. Right. You can't return the kick. Right. 
if you miss the field goal and it clips that little flag, it's still live now. <laughs> if you make the field goal and it clips that little flag, it's still good. And it's just a common sense fix to something that probably would happen once every, I don't know, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. This is serious minutia. These are like the uh, seagull rules at Fenway Park in baseball. Yeah, these ground rule doubles if you hit a seagull. Uh, that, uh, To my mind, that's kind of along these lines. So uh, I guess the key question here, the bigger question, the more serious question is, uh, how do you feel about this uh, command center getting more say, getting more power? A lot of what I'm seeing here seems like it should be common sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with the rules in theory. We'll see how they play out in real life because, as we know, the command center is run by human beings. And human beings that run command centers or replay centers in any sport tend to lose their stinking mind and not watch the game for some reason. (laughs) Well, yeah, when your job is examining the minutiae of any play at any time, right, because anything is challengeable in the CFL, I can see where your job would get like that. I can see where you would you would adapt that sort of habit uh, when you're called upon to, oh, yeah, check out the right tackle and the right defensive end on this play. You know, um, I can see why. I can see why they wouldn't actually watch the game anymore. Uh, anything else really stick out to you? I, I note a lot of rules on just, you know, again, trying to improve player safety, trying to, try, trying to uh, you know, get that definition of leading with the helmet really tight. Uh, anything else stick out to you in this? Uh, well, there's uh, the Zach Claro's rule, which means that the command center can now assist referees with called and non-called roughing the passer right. penalties. So if the official throws a flag for uh, a passer that wasn't hit in the head, they can fix that. Uh, I would guess that the officials are being told anything close, call it, and we can fix it now. But yeah, that would wipe out the whole West semifinal issue where at the exact moment that there was contact with Zach Laros' helmet, the player got in the way of the official that needed to call the play. Right. It's one of those things that will happen in human events, but now they've allowed it to be fixed, and that's a smart move on their part. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do also like the basically take okay roughing the passer is one thing but if you're if you're going for a head for a kill shot in the head they can make it an even worse foul now it's they're not just stuck with uh the 15 yard penalty they can make it a 25 right and right. 225s and you're out right which is kind of like i believe right. the nfl now or two what is it two personal fouls or two unnecessary roughnesses yeah 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 what do they call that in canadian ball it's a uh, conduct unsportsmanlike conduct unbecoming conduct something like that yeah, yeah i believe there's even there's there's a 25 yard penalty in the book already that's rough play right and that's something that's outside of the bounds of uh that would be something ridiculous and they're adding this to that is my understanding mm-hmm um, so your 25 yarders aren't going to be, hey, you hit a, hit the guy late. It's you hit the guy late, you took his helmet, you smacked him with it. <laughs> now they're adding, don't hit the quarterback in the head with your head. That's oh. a bad thing to do. And I'm glad that they're putting more emphasis on it. And they're taking it out of the official's hands. 
Center that have one shot at it, they're going to let the officials of the command center look it over and make sure that it was a clear, clear foul before they'll throw that kind of uh, before they throw the book at the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we're not actually officially calling this the Zach Caleros rule, are we? Uh, yeah, well, that or the oh my God, Regina is burning rule. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because if we're going to do that, we got to find out who kicked the ribbon and, and caused that ribbon rule to go in, because I want that named after the kicker that uh, that did that and caused that rule to be changed. Uh, I guess outside of... A lot of these rules, I'm just... Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, a lot of the rules, like the removing the ability to contact the kicker's plant leg um, with or without touching the ball... Safety rule, wedge block, more than three or more wedge blockers, that's a safety rule. A lot yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Tightening down tightening down the safety in the game, which it, I believe we've had this conversation a few times as of late, but the game can only be made so safe, mm. but the league is doing its best to cross, cross the D's and dot the I's and go as close as they can to making it as safe as they can while still yeah. leaving the sport itself attacked. Yeah, well, I mean, here's how you do it, right? I mean, they're doing it correctly. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that they have to fine-tune this so much instead of getting it right the first time. But you go, okay, we're going to make the game safer. How are we going to do that? We're going to prevent, like, leading with the head. Okay, now they've decided on that. Done. Done deal. That's the rule. What this stuff is, is the result of making that decision and just tweaking it. I mean, like, you've seen you've seen what happens in the NFL. In fact, this is probably one of the things that ultimately turned you off to the game entirely. You know, this stuff with the catch. Right? Okay, we know what a catch is, right? But now they're just defining it and redefining it and redefining it, you know, trying to make that perfect, which and, is which is what a lot of this stuff re- is. They would redefine it. And what they would do, though, is they would redefine it, you know, 20 minutes after the game ended, they had made a controversial call near the end. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is actually how we're calling it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can you track of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with their employment practices and whatnot. But we're not talking the NFL today. So uh, the CFL is, yeah, doing the right thing here. Just, you know, redefining, tweaking those rules. Yeah, it'll never be completely and, safe. And did but... we get all the way through that? Did we get all the way through the rules without mentioning that if you are successful in your first challenge, you get a second challenge? Oh, really? See, I didn't. I just bleamed right past that one. Gee, that must have been uh, a Freudian slip on my part because I don't like that change. I don't like that change at all. That's been my argument forever. You know, the NFL keeps talking about how, oh, we need to adopt something like the CFL where you can challenge pass interference. And it's as though, in fact, it's obvious that they weren't watching a couple, three seasons ago. You remember this, where through the first four or five weeks of the season, every single one of these games was grinding to a halt because all you had to do is throw a flag every time there was a pass. You know, you might get the pass interference call. You might not. But the problem was is that they had three challenges. Now, the NFL is talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to take on that rule, too. But leave the coaches with the three challenges. I like the CFL answer that they applied, you know, halfway through that season. I, I guess it was 2016, 2017, one of those two years, and, and made it one. 
And I just think that's See, perfect. I'm, I'm okay. That's perfect. I'm okay with two if you get that first one right. That yeah. Go ahead and challenge that play that happens five minutes into the game that's clearly a, a, a pass interference penalty without having to decide, well, if I throw it now, i got 55 minutes to play right, the challenge. Right, Okay. got an obvious one, now you can throw it. Okay. All right. Like I say, I just bleed past that wrong, one. All right, I'll accept one it. One strike and you're out. Yeah. I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. I, I don't. I don't like it too much. I like the one one penalty. But your argument makes sense. It is salient. I hope. Uh, I hope the. I hope the. Um, you know, pace of games isn't slowed ridiculously because of this. Because I, I don't think you're going to see the fishing because. Yeah. 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 No fishing. That's the key. Right. Okay. Uh, well, the rule changes aren't the only thing happening in. CFL football, we've also got eh, what I consider, what I thought was a pretty uh, big story, was the surprise exit of James Elizondo from uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. He had been offensive coordinator there since year two of this franchise's history. Again, I'm making it sound really big, uh, just a handful of years. But the point is, is that, you know, this guy turned or at least, you know, in part we can credit him with turning around that Ottawa offense and making this team a contender from an expansion team uh, and keeping them competitive these past few years. Now, at the time he said he, 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 he left to pursue other opportunities in the classic sports cliche. Uh, they announced a few days later that he had actually taken a job with the perspective Oh, my God, I can't even say this stuff with a straight face. With the prospective Atlanta XFL team and Jerry Glanville. He'll be working under Jerry Glanville, also of the CFL. Uh, and this announcement came out on the same day that the AAF folded, uh, which I thought was also really interesting. We'll be talking with Scott Adamson a little bit about that later on. But, Joe, I guess my question is, how much worse can the east get <laughs> i mean ottawa's gonna be terrible next year aren't they i think they're gonna have a rough go of it mm -hmm. i think they're gonna fall back into the pack uh hamilton this this division is hamilton's to lose i believe they have the most talent but they tend to find a way to do that I think yes Toronto is better than they showed last year i think that the combination of Tressman and Franklin was a disaster. Uh, and we're going to get another shot at seeing if James Franklin can handle the starting role under a new head coach. So I don't see them winning only four. <laughs> and then Montreal's kind of the wild card. Can they find a way to get past Johnny Mania <laughs> and come back, settle on a quarterback, and ride it? I need to ask Scott that later. Did Johnny kill the AAF? But uh, what do you think? Did Johnny kill the AAF? I think it was <laughs> dead. Uh, it was, you know, when the AAF died. Was it week eight, after week eight when they shut it down? It was when they needed to find an emergency investor yeah. to going past week two. <laughs> At that point, I knew we were on top. And I don't think I watched a single game after that. It's just like, why well, get invested? This is going away soon. 
Yeah, I'm just shocked they couldn't get to the finish line. Apparently, the word is that, and I, I wrote up a piece for this for uh, a website that I contribute to called NFLBets.com. I wrote about this up there, and uh, as it turns out, the uh, bailer out, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, I believe, um, he actually did not uh, invest that $240 million that was reported. He was actually, you know, feeding money at the rate of $10 million a week. So he actually, quote-unquote, only plunked down about $70 million of his own money. And as it turns out, basically, he was in it, Joe, for the gambling app, for the app that the AAF was inventing for, like, whole new ways to do in-game gambling and stuff like that. No joke. Now... The app that the league has is pretty good, you know, just the one that they have, which shows you, you know, guess the next play. And it actually, like, enacts the play that happened with little football helmets for players and stuff. So it's really cool. And it's fast and it's slick and everything. I used it a few times. It's, it's neat. But essentially the dude paid $70 million for an app and ended up leaving, what, like, hundreds of these guys high and dry. Um, so... You know, a bit of a a bit of a scam. I got to stop talking about this because we're going to talk about this shortly. But uh, it, it, the USFL is much more exciting, Joe. Let me tell you, as one who was there. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What else do we got? Oh, yes. Before we came on. Do we have time to talk about this? Before we came on, uh, you told me yeah, that 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 the that a member of the of that other league, the New England Patriots, Criticized the CFL on Twitter. What was this about? Because I missed this entirely. It was a it was a writer for the Patriots. Okay. Uh, he writes for some. I think I want to say the Boston Herald, but I might be wrong on that. But I'm sure you can find out all about it on Twitter if you want to. <laughs> it was just he threw, he had a throwaway about he was talking about the AAF and all these other leagues and just you know oh the CFL yeah it's because the Canadians like it, but I watched one game and my, I, I attended one game and they don't throw it downfield, so it's boring. Uh, and that, mm. I don't believe the shitstorm has stopped yet. It <laughs> slowed down somewhat, but like all sorts of people around the league, even uh, just trashing the guy left and right, three down nations talking about him. Uh, I think the BC Lions even made a video about how boring the league was, quote unquote, with you know a bunch of uh, one minute video with a ton of deep downfield passing. Mike Riley was commenting on it, saying, "Yeah, I guess I don't pass downfield, do I?" That kind of thing. And <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, "Really, guys? Uh, not everybody. <laughs> not everybody's gonna." I don't even know how to say it. Well, that's what the guy gets. I mean, open-minded. Be open-minded about the league, that's for sure. I mean, that's that attitude is probably more prevalent about the league than our attitude is about it. To be fair, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree? Uh, what the attitude? What? What's what's the attitude that that it's a minor league? Dismissal. The oh, it's it's not that. I guess I don't know. I, I I this is kind of disillusioning for me because I always thought that NFL scouts and coaches and whatnot kind of took the CFL seriously. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is crossover. I mean, not a whole ton, but it does happen. Um, Canadian guys uh, that think they're going to be playing in the CFL, you know, go to college in the U.S. or in Canada, think they're going to be playing in the CFL. Sometimes those guys make the NFL. You know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised to hear this attitude. I mean, you know, this might just be a hottie New England Patriots beat writer guy. And the other thing, too, is he probably went up to friggin' Montreal last year on some really cold day, you know, probably thinking he might be seeing Manziel, you know, instead watching a game where the quarterback throws for, you know, 89 yards. And he comes away thinking that's the standard. So, and it was probably like, you know, nice and cold and miserable in Montreal, you know, makes Boston look like Miami, you know. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of a small sample size, right, as we would say, Joe. Um, but, but still, yeah, that's kind I would, of disillusioning. I, would, I, would. I, guess, I guess he's not I, – I would be surprised. I would be way more surprised to hear, like, a scout or a coach say this or even a player say this. And, uh, you know, what I was thinking, my first thought upon hearing about the death of the AAF is this is going to be the best thing that could possibly happen to the CFL, right? Because everybody's going to wake up and go, wow, yeah, so the AAF folded after eight months. And there's this other league in this country where most of the people speak English really well. And, you know, it's been around for 100 years. Maybe I should play there. Maybe that's I would, stable. I, I would love that if that was how the fans of the AAF decided to go. Mm-hmm. Like the people that gave the AAF a chance are probably going to be your best bet to come go, hey, look, it's June and there's football on my TV. Maybe I'll stick around and watch this. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. But I sure hope always so. Going to be, there's always going to be that group of people down here that go, it's not the NFL. It's not college football. It doesn't matter. Well, okay. I've come. I've just come to accept that those people aren't the ones that are worth my time and effort to, you know, worry about. They're they're, they're going to be there. Let's focus on instead of heaping scorn on the people that are dismissive of the league. Let's go find the people that may have the open mind that our energies and our efforts are worth giving. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that will come because here's what's going to happen. XFL is going to open. They might get through a whole year because, you know, Vince McMahon has huge pockets. So they might get through the whole season like his last XFL did. And then that's going to fold. And then the CFL is going to bump up their schedule. Perhaps that's what the league has been waiting for all this time. Because they keep saying, oh, yeah, we should move it up two weeks, three weeks, whatever. You know, we should move it up into May and whatever. But they haven't. They haven't. And I swear to God, I've been thinking lately that this is what they've been waiting for. They've been waiting for all these fly-by-night spring leagues to come and go. And then they can move up and go, hey, here's a spring league. This league's been around for a long time. We've got tradition. you know. And the CFL also has this disadvantage. Because here's the main thing about American sports on television. They must be American. At very least, the Americans must be the best or among the best in that league. The CFL still has that. Right? The Americans are among the best players in the CFL. The Premier League doesn't have that. You know, none of the soccer leagues have that. 
This is why they don't play so well in America. You know? So the CFL has that advantage as well. And like I say, most of the folks up there speak English. And the broadcasts are in English. So also, no problem for American uh, viewing. So I think this is, you know, they're going to fill this niche. They got the gambling in place already. They got the fantasy games in place already. I think this fills this niche. I think, like I say, I think this is one of the best things. This is the second best thing that could happen to the CFL, potentially. The first best thing is when the XFL folds next year. <laughs> because what's you next? very well be right. Uh, we, should probably, we, should, yes. we should probably leave it at that. Yeah. We've got to go get our guests on. Yeah, we're going to go to a guest. Let's take this break, and we'll be right back with Scott Adamson and more. I'm sure Plus one. Joe and I are joined by Scott Adamson, our friend out there in South Carolina. Uh, since we always start this way with Joe, I'll start this way with you, Scott. How's the weather out there? The weather today is extremely warm. It is, uh, it is clear and 80 degrees today, so we got kind of a, an early taste of summer. Great. Yeah, we're in the low 70s here. How's it going there, Joe? I, I forgot. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Uh, the other, the, the other burning question I had for you, Scott, was this: uh, How about them iron? Yeah, them iron is gone. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, yeah, I know yeah, that you. Five and three. Hey, there you go. You, you, you can, you can probably declare yourself champions of this league because, like. No one else is going to care enough to, so so please feel free. No, I, I think the head ball coach has already done that. You know, immediately, <laughs> like the, the day after the folded, it said that Orlando is the champion. So, so whatever it's worth, they've been seven and one. So that's, yeah, that's great for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for what it's worth. See, that's that's the key phrase I think in all of this. Well, um, Scott, I gotta say that besides Joe and I, you're the biggest aficionado of defunct leagues uh, that I know, especially defunct football leagues. Um, what was your? And of course, you've covered them all there in Birmingham. Uh, Birmingham is a is a big magnet, an iron magnet for drawing these franchises of rogue leagues and minor leagues and whatnot. Um, what was your assessment of? You know, the fan experience, did anybody see these games? Um, you know, was it good for you? Did, did you compare to past experiences, past leagues? What did you think? Well, to me, it was kind of like, you know, I guess to use a baseball analogy, it was kind of like double-A baseball, a double-A farm team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, as you mentioned, I mean, I just like alternative leagues anyway. So for what it was, which was a minor league, I thought it was okay. I mean, it was – I don't think I've ever seen a league where so many people drop passes before. I mean, it was really <laughs> weird. Throughout the entire season, it just pass catching seemed like it was, it was really a lost art. Um, and then, honestly, towards the end of it, I was kind of fading a little bit, and maybe it's because it started to conflict with the NCAA basketball tournament and stuff. But I was, my interest was flailing a little bit towards the end. And, and I think, uh, 
not that I, you know, because I had no idea they were about to go out of business. I thought certainly they were going to finish their first year. Exactly. But it just, you know, it wasn't like the USFL or the WFL in the sense that that it brought that much excitement to me. Maybe originally it did just because it was the first time in 18 years that Birmingham had a team. Mm. But then as the season progressed, I still followed it, but I didn't really follow it nearly as closely as I did at the start. So yeah. something, so so something I that kind of pushed me away, uh, besides the fact that they needed a gigantic bailout in week two, was that they marked themselves as a minor league and said they wanted to be a minor league at the NFL. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble with that. Do you think that really kind of caused uh, a lot of interest to fade as quickly as it did? You know, I think so. I think that's probably going to be the XFL issue, too, because, you know, they're already saying that they want to be a next step league as far as, you know, players moving up to the NFL, which is great. But I think the conceit of a lot of these leagues in the past is even if that was the case, they didn't really say it. Now, the USFL was different. I mean, they pretty much changed the whole pay scale in pro football. So you could make the, make the case that, no, it wasn't NFL level, but it was kind of major league level. Then the XFL comes along, and they were kind of ridiculous about it in 2001, where they were you know, talking trash about the NFL. <laughs> but they never said, hey, we're a minor league. And I think just in people's minds, if you don't say it, it's not true. <laughs> mm. So when you come right out and say, okay, yeah, we want to have a working relationship with the NFL, that means we're going to be a minor league. And I think a lot of people, for right or wrong, that does affect their fandom. Well, it's funny because they said they wanted to be, you know, affiliated with the NFL. They wanted to have a D league, basically, for the NFL or a Triple A or a Double A or what have you. But then, as it turned out, uh, they didn't have anything. You know, the NFLPA, like like commissioner, goes to the head of the NFLPA and says, "Oh, quick, we gotta we gotta get this infrastructure in place." And dude's like, "What?" <laughs> you know, like they're supposed to just come up with this in a couple three hours. You know, to save this guy ten million dollars a week. Plus, I don't see how that would have saved him ten million dollars a week. But there you have it. Um, Scott, what do you think? Is this this is a really good thing for the CFL, right? The AAF folded. You would think. I mean, especially when it, you know, when it went out of business, when it did, then you had guys that could, you know, get ready for training camp and be available. So, I mean, I, you know, I hate to see anyone lose their jobs. I mean, not just the players and coaches, but there were a lot of people, you know, front office, ticket office that moved across country to go to work for this league. And then, boom, they suddenly find themselves oh, yeah. out of work. But if you just look at it, you know, from the bare bones business standpoint, yeah, it certainly does help the help the CFL. I think tremendously. <laughs> and you know, even in the NFL, they've already, I think, as of today, something like thirty-five players from the alliance that oh, yeah. signed contracts with the NFL. So you know, uh, fortunately, they're they're making some money. You know, the guys. So so from that standpoint, it served its purpose. You know, for guys like Garrett Gilbert, Brandon Silver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think you'd probably see that anyway in a alternate universe where the AAF says, "Hey, 
we don't have the money the NFL does, but let's make ourselves a destination league. Let's go. Let's go and try to find these players that maybe their NFL chances are drying up. Let's see if we can build a little bit of something around. Uh, hey, St. Louis. Hey, St. Louis. You're you were you're out of the, you're out of the NFL. Here's something else. It's not the same, but this is a team that you can grasp onto and follow for a few years and enjoy. San Diego, same thing. Birmingham, you haven't had that for forever, but instead they just say, hey, as soon as that player's good, he, we're going to let him go to the NFL. Right. Why, why would anybody you know, get too deeply, too emotionally involved in that when you're, cl- when you're clearly saying our only ex- purpose of existing is to make players either go to the NFL or give up their dream? Well, they were counting. They were counting on the same thing that Vince was counting on back in 2000, right? If you remember, right after the Super Bowl the previous year, is when McMahon announced the league for the next year, right? And what his argument was this: He's like, "Yeah, you know, that was a great Super Bowl, and you could tell it wasn't this year. That was a great Super Bowl and everything. But the thing is, like, a week after it's over, I have a football Jones." Well, okay, that's true. But as Scott just pointed out, in March, you got March Madness. In April, people in America pay attention to baseball for a week or two at least. You know, maybe I can ask for speculation on this one, Scott, on this one, Joe. What was this doomed to fail? If they had started this league, like let's say kickoff is in May, would that have helped? You know, just I've always felt that if you're, especially uh, with the alliance with the XFL, they're ten game seasons, so basically you're just dealing with a couple of months. Right. It seems like it would be that you know to have a ten week schedule where you start in May and finish like the first week in August or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because then you can make the case that that you're getting a little closer to football. Now we love the CFL, so we know that exhibition games are starting in, in late May, so it's Kind of a different animal for us, but but I think for a U.S. football fan, that that does make a little bit more sense because another thing, you're calling it a spring league, but you're starting the second Sunday or second Saturday, <laughs> Saturday right? And you still have crap weather. You know, the, I mean, for all the Birmingham Iron home games, the weather was terrible. It was mm. cold or rainy, or cold and rainy. Uh, and their their attendance really for a Birmingham team, I think they only averaged, oh wow, it's something like fifteen thousand for their five home games, and that's considering wow. Birmingham's history and supporting alternative leagues. That was that was pretty disappointing. But there again, you know, we talked about the people want to see minor league football. Well, you've got an issue there, but it's an even bigger issue. Do you want to see minor league football when it's forty degrees and raining? <laughs> no of course you don't you stay home and that and that was the thing for me is that like as soon as they announced that one of the eight teams one of the eight teams was san diego i'm like these guys don't know what they're doing i mean i mean this is a team that doesn't pay attention to their baseball team that didn't pay attention to their nfl football team why because san diego is gorgeous Right. People don't go to sports there at any time of the year. You know, spring football, who cares? I'm going surfing. You know, it's like and they and yet they chose this one of their eight cities, San Diego. It just blows my mind. I mean, I mean, 
you wonder how they ever thought this was going to succeed. Well, that you know, you mentioned that, and that's what kind of puzzled me when they had to roll out as the first eight franchises because other than other than Atlanta and Phoenix, those were the only two current NFL teams. Right. And they didn't. Uh, yeah, San Diego obviously is a major media market, but normally any kind of new league like this, you're going to put a team in New York and Los Angeles right. just for marketing standpoint. And that that puzzled me. I thought, wow, you know, you're you've got a TV contract, CBS Sports or whatever, but you're not in. You know, you're only in a handful of major markets. That just seemed like a really odd thing for them to do. Whereas you look at the XFL, they're all in the major markets. Yeah, yeah. They said they were doing that on purpose. They're gonna. They at first, McMahon said that he was gonna choose all NFL markets, but they they threw in St. Louis there. Uh, it was just a good call three or four years ago, but I don't think that team's gonna sell for the XFL. Do you want to make an early forecast, Joe? What's your early forecast on the XFL success? <laughs> I would, I would, I, I, I don't know if success is going to be the right word. But <laughs> I think just between the money Vince McMahon has and the ego he has, they're going to get through at least the first season before they go sure. ahead and kill the thing. Sure. Uh, he's made all the mistakes before. He may not make as many. We'll see if there really is a Jones for spring football in these markets, if they can find any sort of real good TV deal. Uh, but I, I, I'd be shocked. Like in just, if you had told me in December I was going to predict that the XFL would outlast the AF. <laughs> if it gets off the ground, they'll probably at least finish the season just because of ego. And that would be further than the AF ever got. Uh, it's kind of weird how that happened for the AF because somehow I managed to be both right and wrong about their fate. I, I figured that they would, you know, it would the whole thing would like pan out disastrously. But then, you know, I figured there's no way they're going to quit halfway through the season. So I was both right and wrong. Scott, how do you, what what do you predict for the XFL? And let me give you a little bit more degree of difficulty here. How could they make it work? Is there anything that the XFL can do to make it work? Uh, honestly, I don't think <laughs> if they make it work. If they make it work, three seasons. You know, I think when the alliance started, they said, "Hey, we're we're paid up, so even if we get no extra money, we can last for three seasons," which obviously <laughs> is a lot. But <laughs> if any if any spring league can come along and make it three years before they die, to me, I would. Because honestly, these things these things aren't built to last. I mean, they're really not. Um, even even if you look at the World League of American Football, which you know became NFL Europe, it was bleeding money. I mean, that was an NFL farm league, but they were losing thirty million dollars a year. And the only reason it lasted as long as it did is because the NFL, you know, had that kind of money to lose. You mean NFL Europe? And NFL Europe with the Barcelona yeah. Dragons and stuff like that? Yeah, okay. Yep. Monarchs. I mean, it, it, yeah. it lasted 13 years. Yeah. But then again, it was only because the NFL could afford to lose money. But even Vince McMahon, as rich as he is, I think after a couple of years, if it makes it that long, is going to get tired of losing money because I just don't think the TV dollars will be there. I think the novelty. 
really even with all the with all the stations out there now with you know all the markets you know with mcmahon's friends in high places really there's nowhere they can show this on tv well no no i mean i think they'll show it on tv but I, i'm just talking about i think people will you know the novelty will wear off it's like mm-hmm. oh okay the xfl's been on for five weeks and we watched three weeks of it and now we're not going to watch it anymore because there again, they're starting the second weekend in February, so they're going to have the same situation where they start competing with basketball and everything else. And, and I realize, you know, maybe, you know, the really hardcore football fans are going to watch that over March Madness or whatever. But sure. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, guys who didn't make NFL rosters, I just don't know if if that kind of talent is going to entice people to keep watching it year after year. I mean, you know me, I would love to see it. Any kind of spring league that comes along, I'd love for it to last forever. But I always look at it like, you know how you were, well, growing up in the South, when I was in high school, like at the end of my, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year, you would have a beach trip. Okay. You know, that was the highlight of your year. So you'd go on a beach trip <laughs> and you would meet somebody and you'd have like a little romance and you'd think, oh, this is great. This is going to last. And She's going to call you, and you're going to call her. But then you go back home when the beach trip's over, and you never see each other again. That's football. <laughs> Your life is Grease the Musical, man. Well, it's, it's not meant to last. I mean, right. Be Summer love, yeah. Right. Right, but then it's going to be over, and you're going to forget all about it. So, hope I'm wrong. You know, I mean, I would love to see a USFL scenario where you got a bunch of billionaires that came in and said, we're going to go after the top talent in the NFL and create a big-time league, but nobody's going to do that. Well, nobody, I don't really would ever go ahead. I got to throw this one out there. Maybe, Joe, you could help me out, too, on this one. What about the United Football League? I mean, this thing was not a huge success, but it did survive for three seasons without a really big TV contract. How did they do it? Yeah, they were uh, a little bit weird about them because being the goob that I am, I did watch a lot of their games. <laughs> they always had those, those truncated seasons. It's like right. the season only lasted four weeks or something. Yeah. Um, yep. And what was it? Was it the versus channel that showed it? Or... <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something yeah. <laughs> you know, you had to go way up. You know, you had to get way past the porn and the music before you got to the channel <laughs> that showed uh, UFL football. But, yeah, I watched it, and it was same thing that we see now, guys trying to get back in the uh, in the NFL. Although originally, you know, when Mark Cuban supposedly was going to be involved, it was going to be a a competitor league, but that you know that never panned out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the ship has sailed on that on competing, uh, and the ship clearly uh, never got built very well to for minor leagues. It's it's. Uh, still in dry dock apparently uh so there really doesn't seem to be a place for a spring league now that that you can't go the minor league route because that's clearly not going to sell well and you can't challenge the nfl because i don't know if there's enough money on earth to make a significant challenge to them at this point no but like i said earlier in the podcast what you do is you move the cfl season up not too much because you don't want to bump into early baseball. You certainly don't want to bump into March Madness, as we just discovered. But you move the CFL season up. 
Now, Joe, actually, I'm glad you brought this up at this point because I saw that you bristled on Twitter at the notion that uh, the CFL might, uh, you know, tweak the ratio of players, right, so that more Americans can be on a CFL roster, more Americans be on the starting team. Why is that a bad thing? Why can't we increase that just a little bit, seeing as how there obviously is some talent, right, that will not be able to play anywhere else? There's never going to be a question of as to whether there's going to be talent in the States. That's never a question. Okay. There's far too many football players that are good but not able to get on NFL rosters. Uh, that's never going to be a problem. My thing is I've seen the way that CFL fans go crazy when one of their own steps up and becomes a star in the league. People like Andrew Harrison, Brad Snapley have huge followings. Mm. Rob Begg is still very, very popular in Regina, even though he hasn't been – able to play all that much over the past few years. I think he's done now, I, be, I believe. But uh, it was all, I always see the Piffles guys go, break, you know, saying, we shouldn't bring back Rob Begg, but everybody else would be saying, yeah, we like him. Bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> it, it's something – the Canadian talent is something for the Canadians to get, atta- to get attached to. The, they're the players that are going to be around year after year after year. So if you take that, if you start bumping that down and taking away positions for them to have a chance to come out, because if you because if you don't have a, a wide receiver position that is Canadian, you don't have Brad Snapley stepping out of the quarterback spot into that wide receiver <laughs> position and becoming a star. You don't right. have that. You take away their opportunities, less and less of them are going to become pop- popular. Yes. CFL fans also get attached to their American superstars, and some of them stay. But there's a special place in their hearts for the Canadian talent. If you take if you take that unique portion of the league away, yeah, sure, they have a bigger field, fewer downs, mm-hmm. slightly different rules. Mm-hmm. But the heart of the game is the and. Reason the fans stick around so much is because it's their own players getting to compete. If you take that out, slowly but surely, you know, I've we've had reductions over the years, but I think we're at the point where if you reduce it too much more, all of a sudden there's you're just going to start losing some of that and losing some of that connection. And that's the thing that's keeping the CFL alive when all of these other leagues are coming out and going away faster than you can blink. Mm-hmm. It's because of that connection the fans have with it, mm-hmm. and anything that hurts that connection is a bad thing for the league. Yeah, I'm not suggesting any sort of cultural appropriation or anything like that. It's just that, yeah, I guess that it's 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 a similar problem with European basketball, right? Because the teams over there, the countries over there, always has to limit the number of foreigners that they can put on their teams, right? Because they want to develop the local talent. And I guess the problem with gridiron football is that there's no other countries where they play, right? That highway between California, Canada and the U.S. goes one way in football, right? So I guess, I guess that's the problem. I mean, again, I don't want to suggest that we should, you know, the Americans should colonize the CFL. But 
I don't know. I just feel like in light of a 10th team, in light of these two leagues recently uh, going down, you know, I don't know. It might be nice to expand that ratio, at least in the short term. Scott, where are you on this? Yeah, I, I agree with Joe. I mean, I, I kind of think that it does, the CFL does need to have as many places for Canadian stars as, as it can have. I mean, you know, the, you look the league, I think the CFL league average is like 24,000 a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you start taking away positions, I think that attendance is going to continue to drop. But, so I, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with, I'm taking the easy way out here. I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> okay, Joe. What what else do you want to say that uh, Scott will agree with? No. Come on, you've, you've never had this power. In any case, well, Scott. I mean, uh, I guess we'll get you out of here on that note. Gee, will Birmingham ever have a pro football team again? Probably not. Huh? Uh, you know, unless the XFL survives a year or two and decides to expand, but I, I don't think Birmingham will. I don't think Birmingham will ever have a professional football team that has legs. Yeah, you know, I, I hate it, but let's just be honest. I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, Scott, where can people check out your stuff these days? Uh, AdamsonMedia.com. There's stuff in there periodically. <laughs> periodically do you have a, a moratorium do you have a uh, obituary for the league on your site uh i did okay. yeah i actually i was uh, i was all up into it i was doing notebooks and everything and then finally when it expired i did do a uh uh i wouldn't know i wouldn't necessarily call it a fine farewell but it was kind of a farewell mm-hmm. column to it so there's there's still some alliance content for anyone who may be interested in reading obituaries yeah well, it's a neat time capsule kind of thing, right? Right. Okay, well, Scott Adamson at adamsonmedia.com. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Scott, and uh, have a good one. I guess uh, we're waiting until June now, huh? Hey, so I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> All right, Scott. Take it easy. Scott Adamson, I guess we'll be having him on the show every time a new league forms and then folds. So, so next year. Every other <laughs> no way, man. No way. I swear to God, when the XFL folds, that's going to be the last one for like 15 years. They're going to have to figure this out. You know, maybe the next one should come with, maybe somebody should open a TV station. And that's what it would be. It would be for the league, right? So that you solve your TV problem. You already have, you know, your marketing tools and whatever. But that's, I swear to God, that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. I hope this puts to bed the notion of these leagues for a long time. And again, like I say, I hope the CFO kind of takes notes and moves up to fill that void in North American sports uh, for all those who are not watching the Brewers. <laughs> Especially those watching the Brewers when they should be watching the Bucks. Ah, your team looks good. In any case, Joe, what's your plan this week? 
What are you up to? <laughs> well, just getting through another fun-filled week in winter in the Winter Wonderland again, all of a sudden. Uh, it was 70 on Monday. It is not. Oh, okay. All right. So this is the last one. This is it. The, the, it breaks here, Joe. And then you know, you'll be free for like six months. Um, I'm a whole... T- <laughs> okay. That's just my prediction. <laughs> Joe, where can folks find your stuff? Uh, they can find my stuff if they're interested whatsoever at USFL Techmo on Twitter. Ah, Joe's being too modest. He, uh, Joe is a good follow on Twitter. He's always got some interesting insights into CFL and sometimes other sports like curling too. Not so much. Like, no, no. <laughs> you can. That's kind of that's kind of faded all, over the course of the winter. All of a sudden. Ah. So uh, also the podcast may be found on Twitter at RWB Podcast. Myself, I may be found on Twitter at. CFL Pass, uh, or even Oz Davis 42, which I don't use very often, but hey, what the hell, it might be amusing. And I'm taking this opportunity to self-promote my new movie and film, uh, my new movie and film, my new film and TV based podcast called The MacGuffin Report. I, along with my co-host, discuss lots of stuff in pop culture, film and TV. Every week, I guess we come out now. Uh, we're still kind of in the pilot stage. We're still kind of like figuring out the regular schedule. But please go to iTunes, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcast and look for the MacGuffin Report. It's available everywhere. I've gotten a lot of nice reviews on it. So if you like movies, if you like TV, check it out. And how and, and how do you spell that for those of us that are on the list? Oh, the MacGuffin Report. So that's the, and it's M-A-C-G-U-F-F-I-N. It's a term that we use in dramatic storytelling. In any case, uh, I won't be too boring and pretentious about that. Instead, I will sign off for my co-host Joe Pritchard. I'm Oz Davis, and you have been listening to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 